You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 146. Where we think of peak performance and how I utilize that is us being optimal in every aspect of human performance, as in reaching our peak and maintaining it. So if we are optimal, living our best life, reaching our peak and maintaining it, then we are essentially living wellness as a way of life. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the Star Coach Show, where each and every week we explore strategies, tools, and resources for professional coaches. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, and I want to warmly welcome you. We have a delightful guest today who's going to be sharing some on-the-spot strategies and tools that you can begin to use immediately to change the impact in your life, as well as applying those to the work that you do with your clients. Now, I do want to let you know that my puppy has decided to lay down right next to me and fall asleep, and I did not want to move him to be able to do this. So if you hear any moving around, because he does tend to jump up sometimes and gruffle a little, well, then that's just Coda, and we'll just say hello to Coda. He's part of my health and well-being, so we're going to keep him right here next to us. And I send a warm hello to any of your pets out there who bring joy to your lives as well. So today, we're going to focus on health and wellness. As you know, this show brings coaching topics to you from many different areas. One of the absolutely incredible thing about the profession of coaching is that we touch lives in many different ways. There's those of you who work in organizations and corporations as executive or leadership coaches or internal coaches. Perhaps you are a relationship coach or a coach who is working with people around different mindset issues. Well, health and wellness is another viable and thriving aspect of coaching. And today, I am joined by Dr. Lena Gupta. She is the Academic Dean of Online Education at Pacific College of Health and Science and the Chief Empowerment Officer at To Be Well Solutions. Now, Lena and I were connected by one of my former students who is on the board for the school. And Lena and I were discussing a new master's program that they're putting into place that has a heavy coaching component, which Lena will talk about in our interview. And as we were talking about mentoring and teaching and exploring different things, We decided that introducing Lena to the audience would make a whole lot of sense because she has such vast experience in this field and she wanted to to bring some of those strategies forward to you. Lena has over 25 years of clinical experience. She is a osteopathic doctor 
and a health and wellness coach. Her mission is to educate and inspire a global community as to the value of optimal health and happiness through innovative solutions. To be well for life is sort of the theme, the goal, the passion for Lena. She wants allopathic and integrative medicine to be offered with equal opportunity to all where healthcare focuses on our balance of mind, body, and spirit, and where we can utilize all of the best medicines, interventions, and modern-day technologies through evidence-inspired practice. She brings some of those aspects to our interview today. She is an absolute joy to spend time with. Now, I also wanted to let you know that we're going to be talking about the program that she is putting together at Pacific College of Health and Science. And there's a download for that in case you just want to kind of see what is, I told you Coda might say something and Coda just talked to us, in case that's something that might be interesting to you. So go to the show notes at starcoachshow.com for episode 146, which is today's episode. There will be a link for the handout that will help you better understand the program that's being put together, just in case you're interested in what that might look like. So I'm not going to make you wait anymore. Let's go to my interview with Dr. Lena Gupta. Lena, welcome. Good afternoon. And thank you for joining the Star Coach Show. Hello, Meg. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today. Well, it's such an honor to have you with us. You have a varied background. As I gave a hint to in our introduction, I'd really like to start in that place of exploring your path into coaching. Coaches have a tendency to come from lots of different places through lots of different paths. Now, your path moved from osteopathic medicine. My sister is an osteopathic doctor as well to integrative medicine, and now to coaching and wellness coaching. Tell us a little bit about what was your inspiration for that path. Meg, I think it all started actually when my mother was diagnosed with an aggressive form of lupus when I was a child. I was about seven, and we were told that she would not be living beyond the age of 40. So she was given various drugs at the time, and As I was growing up, and by the time I was 11, I started to feel that there has to be some alternatives to just extended stays in hospital. She was hospitalized at times for six or nine months at a time. Oh my goodness, Lena, how challenging for her and the family. Exactly. But you asked about inspiration, and my journey with my mother from that age of 11 until 17 was to explore a number of different therapies together including naturopathic medicine, acupuncture, osteopathy, energetic therapies, hypnosis, mindful practices, Ayurvedic, different forms of herbs. And essentially, to cut a long story short, by the time I was 17, my mother had become like a lay homeopath and naturopath. She had her own pharmacy at home, including Chinese herbs and teas. And she managed her health and well-being through that pharmacy and with numerous practitioners 
a system that we might think of today as integrative medicine, but this was in the 70s and early 80s, so we were not using that terminology at that time. My journey she really her, stepped in and took control of her health and well-being. Good for her and good really for your partner with her to do that. Yes, and I think in truth, that's where the coaching began. It was in that partnership. I was not an expert in any of these areas or in her autoimmune disease. I was a child, but making the decisions with her is really what we do with our clients to find out what are their preferences and what are their goals. So I would say this was very rudimentary coaching at that time. And then fast-forwarding, In osteopathic practice, as well as integrative medicine, I saw several thousand patients like my mother, actually over 10,000 patients in 25 years. Wow. And when she did eventually pass away at the age of 70. So she she beat it 30 years beyond what they said she Good for her. Good for her. That was a leading London teaching hospital with some of the best specialists of the era, I would say. When she passed away, something shifted in the universe from my practice that involved chronic pain, autoimmune, towards wellness, athletes and people who really were already fairly healthy, but wanted to optimize their health to really be peak performers came through my path. And that's really what led to a more formal transition to coaching, which had previously been lifestyle counseling and hypnosis. Well, you actually told me a story in our pre-interview about how you were speaking somewhere and someone in the audience said, you're a wellness coach. And that that really struck you as I'm a what? So tell us that story a little bit. Well, um, for about 15 years, I've been teaching a hypnosis certification through colleges and universities as well as privately. And I think it was in 2014, I was standing in front of a class. This was in Pennsylvania. And I was sharing what would they learn? What would be the outcomes of the certification? What could they do from from that credential? And it was one person in the audience who says, oh, you're a health coach. And I was not really familiar with the term. She went on to describe what a health coach does, which was very aligned with what I had just said we would be doing in the course in terms of exploring values and goals and supporting the class would support each other for success. And she led me to Duke Integrative Medicine, where the next year I formalized my training. That's it. I just love that story because you were embodying coaching without necessarily knowing that. And then it's a way that you help people understand wellness as a way of life. So let's talk a little bit about what is so important in creating a wellness structure, a wellness sort of method or to our life. What's important about that? I think, Meg, we can get very caught up in the day-to-day pressures of life, both work and at home. There Uh, certainly are plenty to go around, aren't there? Yes. And I think in the fast-paced culture that we're living in, and also as practitioners, we can sometimes be the last person in line for who we're taking care of. And, um, you know, many of us can identify with that. 
So wellness is a way of life as I see it and as I use it, I would say, in my life now is a lens through which we can make decisions in terms of how we work productively, the balance between our family and other recreational activities, taking time for ourselves in self-care and hobbies and things like that. And essentially, it boils down to a balance. Many people use a wheel of health to really assess their areas of life and can be quite surprised when rating those areas from zero to 10, 10 being optimal, that, and if you were perfect in all areas, it would be a perfect circle, but it can be quite an irregular shape. Yes. It's a very quick way of really knowing where is it you want to focus in your own personal growth and fulfillment and happiness in life, basically to be living wellness as a way of life. So as a wellness coach, is that a tool that you might use with your clients to help them see this wouldn't be a smooth sailing kind of, we have a clunk in this part of your wheel, huh? Well, I send that to all my clients before I meet them so that they have an opportunity not only to look at their own wheel of life or wheel of health, but I've noticed that a little bit of reflection on their part clarifies the goal before I actually meet them in person. So for everybody listening, if they're not using a wheel of health, there are many online and it's easy to create your own as well. It's a very quick assessment tool that can really sort of catalyze the coaching process. Good tip. So we think about wellness and then we think about human performance. And how do you see those two relating to one another? I actually think they're both part of the same continuum, that if we are operating to living our best life, having peak performance in all areas of life, and sometimes that is misunderstood, actually, Meg. Sometimes people think it's an athletic Right, yeah, that you see a coach for, an athletic coach for performance. Exactly, exactly. And actually, in one sense, that is where it began. But where we, where we think of peak performance and how I utilize that is us being optimal in every aspect of human performance, as in reaching our peak and maintaining it. So if we are optimal, living our best life, reaching our peak and maintaining it, then we are essentially living wellness as a way of life. Perfect. So we talked about one tip that you have, one tool that you use in the wellness wheel. Another thing that I know you use in wellness, which I've used for years and am such a believer in, and I'd love to do a little walk down the path, positive affirmations, and how you use those positive affirmations in your practice with your clients. Yeah, I really believe that if we can visualize our goals and our future, we can bring those dreams into reality. And a lot of that is about creating a positive mindset. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy, though, as in we have very limiting thoughts that may bring in doubt or a lack of confidence. So positive affirmations is an easy and quick way to develop a goal and a reward, and then through repetition, reprogramming our mind for success. But there are really a few things that need to be understood in this process. And I'm sure many of your listeners 
may enjoy incorporating positive affirmations into their practice, there are a number of ways of doing that. And into their own lives. So I love that we're going to do this because this is going to give some real practical takeaway for you listeners to begin to think about what goals are maybe I'm falling short of, or what am I having a hard time visualizing? Or how can I use this practice that Lena and I are going to talk about to help my clients reach those goals and better be able to sort of set the path forward for themselves. So let's talk about how specifically you set your clients up to use affirmations. Mm. The first thing is I explain about the difference between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind in terms of the brainwave. So as you and I are speaking now, Meg, we are consciously aware of each other and responding to each other in an analytical type of a way. That is the activity of the conscious mind, and it aligns with the beta brain waves and a certain frequency, you could say like this, if we were looking at the wave itself. Like a rolling wave almost, or up and down and up and down, yeah. Yes. And then if we compare that with the subconscious mind, when the subconscious mind is open to receive positive and beneficial suggestions, we want to create an alpha wave state. It's a more relaxed state that is receptive to those positive affirmations. So that would be like the bell curve. So it would come up to a peak and then down again. The wave is a a sort of a slower, broader wave, much like the research bell curve. Uh And we all experience this alpha wave state in our daily lives, but may not be aware of it. For example, just before we go to sleep, we have to go through the alpha wave state to sleep in theta or delta, similarly waking up. But there are many other times, like people who daydream naturally are actually very good candidates to use positive affirmation because while they're daydreaming, their alpha wave and the subconscious mind is more dominant. So they're less aware of critical thought. They've actually bypassed their critical thought. They're not actually paying attention to what's happening out there. But they're, these are the people who can fully empower themselves to be what they truly want to be. And there are other examples, like if anybody has gone down the highway where you're kind of in this autopilot kind of a situation and you could react and respond at any moment. But, you know, when you're driving through those states where there's there's really no one and, you know, fields of green. Yes, right? maybe a few cows waving as you go by. Something yes, like that. My older son lives in Oklahoma. We've driven from Pennsylvania to Oklahoma. and It's quite hypnotic in itself. <laughs> so I'm sure there was some alpha wave along the way. But those types of activities, as well as yoga, Qigong, Tai Chi, meditation, prayer, anything that bypasses the critical thought, puts us in a state of relaxation, opens us up to that alpha wave of the subconscious mind. And in that state, we are more receptive to positive and beneficial suggestions. So this is the first thing that I explain to my clients, because it's not a case of just saying to yourself, I have peace and harmony, and I feel wonderful and repeating that a 100 times. That's, that's just a sentence at that point in this frame of mind. But if they can use breathing or some other mechanism to access that relaxed state, 
Then the next thing we talk about is, well, how do we actually create the positive affirmation? And you'll see if you look at literature or Google positive affirmation that there are lots of short sentences like, I am healthy or I am well, I am strong and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with those types of positive affirmations, but they could be a lot more powerful if used in a particular way. And you're going to share that particular way with us. I'm going to share that particular way with you. And then I'm going to give you a couple of my own personal affirmations that I use on a daily basis. So that particular way is, it's a sentence and it starts with I. Then it will have the person's first name or not necessarily their formal name, but the name that they're most comfortable with. Then the goal in the present tense and a reward. And the goal and the reward need to be balanced. So if the goal is something like I exercise 20 minutes a week and then the reward is and I win the London Marathon, then those two things are not really matched. They do not compute. And it doesn't yeah. matter how many times you say it. <laughs> Your mind is not going to really be bought into that. Yes, because, because now you engage the critical thought that says, well, that's not realistic. So it, the goal has to be somewhat realistic and the reward, but it can still be very visionary and it can still become reality. So it might be something like I exercise 20 minutes a day and improve my fitness level or and then there can be second and third affirmations that lead towards entering a marathon and winning the marathon and it's quite possible in the early 90s I worked with marathon runners and one of my clients was the winner of the London marathon and then later the Chicago marathon how exciting that's how I got into peak performance as you say well before I was aware of the terms uh, health and wellness coaching. So there are some things that are really important to remember in creating successful positive affirmations. One is the balance. Two is at what time of day or situation a person says to themselves positive affirmations. And then the third is, you know, the regularity, like any kind of a habit. This is not a one-off Yeah, we don't say, you know, I'm enthusiastically exercising 20 minutes a day and and my heart is experiencing, I don't know, whatever. Wellness. Wellness. And then I say that once and life is good. Yeah, that's not not the way that the affirmation works. But actually that affirmation can work. But And I suggest to people various ways. They can record their affirmation on a tape and play it back to themselves. They can repeat it several times before going to bed like a mantra. I have some people who make a card with their positive affirmation. Uh, It could be two or three, actually. And then they place it on the bathroom mirror. So while they're brushing their teeth, they're actually seeing and reinforcing their positive affirmation. I had another lady who you wanted to be like the president of a company. uh, So that was more of the executive coaching type of thing. She used to visualize that in the shower. She used to spend 10 or 15 minutes, not only with her affirmation, she was relaxed, very focused on her goals. And she actually, she accomplished those. So let's talk about a couple of examples. I'll use my own. Okay, good. I use them every day. So (laughs) I know uh, them. I use them every day. Yes. So uh, one of mine that I've actually been using for years is I, Dr. Lena, 
have mind-body-spirit balance, and I feel at peace. So in that affirmation, Dr. Lena is something, a, a term that I was called for when I was a child, those days with my mother, when I was interested in, you know, why does cancer happen? Why does autoimmune disease happen? Why do people sneeze? Why do people have knee pain? I had lots of questions, very few answers, but when you're seven and eight years old, you know, that the, my friends used to refer to me as Dr. Lena. So, and then I personified that, I guess. So, so we start with I, the name you're most familiar with. My goal is mind, body, spirit, balance, and my reward is to feel at peace. So my affirmation altogether is I, Dr. Lena, have mind, body, spirit, balance, and I feel at peace. And you say that to yourself how many times a day? I probably constantly use that one. So I think it's well beyond the 10 times a day that I recommend. It's just one people. of those because you've built the habit. I built the habit and in conversations like this and other times of my daily life, plus every time I see a client, I use mine as a as a example. So I would say it's it's become part of me rather than an external affirmation and that's really what can happen with an affirmation that you start with something whatever your goal in life is and if you internalize it it becomes part of your conversation you have action steps as well in life then all things are possible there are no limits that's beautiful do you have another example I do have another example because the thing is about that first one It's not exactly measurable. So I wanted to make the point that you can also have measurable goals. And that's what many people do, either using the smart goal structure or that type of thing. So another one I have, which was after I had actually a serious disc prolapse and an orthopedic surgeon wanted to operate, which took me right back to the very reasons I wasn't an advocate of intervention even as a child. So that did not really change as an adult is I, Dr. Lena, enjoy aqua aerobics twice a week and I feel fit. So the measurement and the accountability is going to the class twice a week and the reward and the benefit is feeling fit. And it's been some years, I think it's been about nine years since that incident. I'm completely pain-free and... You didn't have surgery. I didn't have surgery and it's just... It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy almost. So there are so many other different ways of constructing affirmations. But I think for the audience, if they can remember this formula, it's I, it's the first name of name that's most familiar to you, the goal in the present tense. So that's really important too, that it's not I will have. Right. Because then you're always, your mind is thinking, well, that's going to happen someday, but that's not happening now. So that present tense is, is telling yourself that this is happening. Yes, because the subconscious mind is actually very literal. So that, that's in the present tense. And then the reward. What I observe in society is that people use a lot of negative affirmation. They limit themselves by a repeated dialogue that they believe over time of what they cannot do or what they will never accomplish. That's something to be very careful about, that the phrasing is always positive. It's always in the present tense. And what I say is the test of an affirmation, although 
when I'm working with people, they write it down and they have a notebook. And they I was going to say, let's talk a little bit about how you help your clients. So you walk through this with them, you educate yes. them about that. And then what is the practical aspect of how you're actually helping them create their affirmations? You said they might write it down in a notebook. They might write it down on a card. Yes, they can write it down in a notebook. They can write it down on a card. Some people record it into their phone so they can hear it back again. Other people add it to their meditation. But one of the things I've noticed that really gets a great buy-in of clients is when they do have the notebook, they see their progression over a period of months from what was the level of their positive affirmations in the beginning. Maybe it's something like, um, I, Jane, enjoy healthy snacks, and I feel fit to progressing to more complex affirmations. Now, although they write it down, I let my clients know, and actually everybody I know, I talk about positive affirmations all the time, (laughs) that with the positive affirmation, they really need to be able to articulate it without reading it. I consider it like a test of an affirmation, because if somebody has a very complicated affirmation, which has two or three different parts. First of all, it becomes a very conscious sentence that can be critically analyzed. And secondly, it's very difficult to remember. And if it can't be just spoken just off the tip of the tongue, then we don't know if it's really being received at the subconscious level. So it needs to be written in such a way that it can be easily memorized and and just become part of a very fluid sort of thought process for you so that it's possible to get beyond that critical mind. Absolutely. And that sentence and that thought over time becomes the belief and it manifests in reality. Good, good. So that's something everybody can do. It's certainly you you've shared your experiences of not only do you practice what you preach, but you have felt the benefits of that in your life. And you've had clients who have had incredible success using affirmations as part of their coaching with you. Yes, I I actually cover affirmations in every first session with, with every client, because whether we focus on it in the coaching session or whether it's a self-help tool for them, it's so powerful and it can be adapted to business goals, health goals, wellness goals, even relationship goals, uh, so many aspects of life. So helpful. And I think this is a good time then to transition into something that you're doing that I think has been a goal of yours for a very long time. So I don't know whether you had an affirmation about it, but I do know that you went from Pennsylvania where you had a very established practice, you were very well known to San Diego to do something very special. Tell us a little bit about what brought you to San Diego. You know, I've had a dream about translating those 25 years of clinical practice into graduate programs so that my true reason is so that people like my mother will not have to have the difficult journey and that through advocacy of coaching and integrative medicine, practitioners are uh, trained and out there to handle people like her and just improve the way we approach health altogether. So I found into it. So 
as I shared with you in 2014, I had that student who said, oh, you're a health coach. And I said, no, no, I'm not sure that I am. And in 2015, I did the training. And during that training, we had to develop our own goals. What did we actually want to do? This is what I wanted to do. I wanted to create a master's program in coaching. And I spent quite some time invested in that. I wasn't able to get it off the ground on the East Coast. Then I became aware of Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and through serving on a board, the Academic Collaborative of Integrative Health with the Vice President of Academic Affairs, who introduced me to teaching online. And when I visited San Diego for another reason, I attended an integrative medicine conference, had the opportunity to meet with the president, Jack Miller. We discussed coaching and just the entire sort of culture of the school, as well as the spirituality of the students, their approach to patient care made me feel that this could be the institution through which I could bring my own dreams. Yes, kind of get that dream fulfilled. This is, I found my home to do that, huh? And it's just been tremendous, Meg. It's been three years. I moved in the summer of 2016. After two years, I then, my role moved to oversee online education. And we expect to roll out the Masters in Health and Human Performance in 2020 in January. And what this degree involves is it has a coaching series as part of the degree. So the first health coaching class is about personal growth. So it's very much about understanding self in order to help others. The second class is principles and practice of coaching. So that will include all of those ICF competencies and other competencies that certification agencies have defined are necessary to be a wonderful coach. And then the third uh, class is interprofessional skills. That class will go in parallel with a positive psychology or a psychology for human performance degree. So those two are going to work off each other to deepen the knowledge of a coach. And then finally, there's the professional skills which will include health education and business skills, how to be really successful out there as a coach. That's just four of the 12 classes. The other areas will be nutrition, nutrition one and two, physiology of human performance, psychology of human performance. There'll be a portfolio where at the end of this degree, the students can share their work with potential employers. They can go to a human resource executive and say, I can help people optimize in your organization. And they'll have all these assignments and real life experiences of coaching to back that up. So it's just, I mean, I can't say enough about it. Your face just lights up as you talk about this. I I know that is such a passion of yours and, and that you're really in that, the, the found sort of the structure has been set, the, what those courses are going to be has been set yet. We did talk about the fact that you are in the place now of bringing some coaches in to be instructors for you. So that's something that who knows a listener might be interested in thinking, you know, I 
have a real interest in health wellness, or I have experience that I think would be very helpful. What are you looking for when you think about your instructors? Meg, I'm so glad that you asked me about that. I got so enthusiastic about the program that I didn't mention anything on that front. So basically, in order to teach in a master's program, the faculty we're looking for have to have a master's degree themselves. If they are interested, and I think many of your listeners would be interested in teaching in the coaching series, because to take your clinical practice and move it into essentially training others and allowing them to really gain from your own experience is so fulfilling. I think fulfillment isn't even enough of a word to express how it really works, uh, even in the online. I find the online teaching, surprisingly, you develop these very close relationships. Oh, yeah. I've been teaching online now for 11 years and have incredible relationships with my students. Yes, yes. I've got from another doctoral program I teach in, made lifelong friends with those peers after they graduate. So we're looking for people with a master's degree, people who are certified by one of the agencies, people who are interactive and engaging and really want to further this profession because elevating the standard of education is going to be something that elevates everybody, just like Uh, You know, the nursing profession gradually moved up from RN to BSN to MSN. Similarly, the physical therapist moved from a bachelor's degree to a master's degree. So I think this adds more of uh, more recognition for the, according to ICF, 150,000 coaches. Yes, amazing, isn't it? So what we will do, Lena is going to share with me the handout or the brochure that they have developed for their program. And that's going to be available in a download that you can access in the show notes from the show. So if you go to starcoachshow.com and you go to this episode in the show notes, there will be a link to that download. If you're interested in what we're talking about, be sure to, to download information about the program, whether you're interested in teaching or just want to know more about health and wellness Masters of Science and Health and Human Performance, whatever, that brochure is beautiful and it gives all sorts of information. Plus, I'll have a link on how to get a hold of Dr. Lena if you would like to reach out to her and explore the opportunities their program is offering in beautiful San Diego. So Dr. Lena, what else about wellness as a way of life might we want to touch on as we close out our time together today? Actually, Meg, I just want to add one thing that this master's degree is fully online. So if people have whether a coaching background, nutrition, human performance, wherever they are in the country, in another program, we have a a doctoral degree with 20 adjunct faculty who are all over uh, North America, including Canada. Yeah, so when I said beautiful San Diego, it didn't mean that you had to be there, but that's where the beautiful program is. That's right. That's so right. That's so right. So about wellness, I honestly think that we literally circle back to the beginning, that many of the people who are listening have so many different pressures in life. They can be all positive. I myself have a wonderful husband, beautiful children, lovely grandchildren. 
but it's that balance of how much time and do you even allocate time to spend with them? What is the focus of work? Sometimes private practitioners try to be all things. They're their business manager. They're the marketing manager. They're the accountant. They're doing all their own social media. And it's good for us to reflect. What do we need to farm out to other experts? And how can we use our own time for the greatest good? I honestly wish someone had told me this 25 years ago, because in the several practices I started from scratch, I didn't have any business training in the beginning. So it's trial and error, and then got better with each passing practice. But that was over a period of about 15, 15 years. And 15 years later, I went and did a business degree so that I could deepen my own skills. So I want to save people from that. And if they use the wheel of health for their own self-care, use affirmations for their self-care, then these are two significant steps to embodying wellness as a way of life. Thank you so much for coming and sharing that aspect of coaching with us. Such an important niche to have within the coaching profession and something that that we all need. So thank you again. It was so much fun to spend time with you. Oh, Meg, it was wonderful sharing these thoughts with you too. Since coaching is such a growing profession, One of the exciting things is that there is always something new being developed or offered or ways for us to connect with our passion through coaching. So I want to thank Dr. Lena Gupta for coming and sharing some aspects about wholeness and wellness and how she helps her clients through that focus, as well as the new program that is being established at her school. If you'd like to know more about today's show, go to starcoachshow.com and access the show notes for episode 146. The handout regarding the program is also available on our resource page at starcoachshow.com. Now, just to let you know, we have some exciting things coming up in our upcoming shows. Next week, you're going to want to tune in and meet Donna Cravada who is a social media expert. She's a PR expert. She shares incredible information with us about how to show up in social media authentically and create the kind of success that leads to successful businesses. We also have an upcoming show with Kathleen Stinnett regarding the Enneagram and even an opportunity to take a very extensive assessment for free. So you're going to want to keep your eyes peeled for that. We have many exciting topics coming up down the line. If you want to be sure you never miss a show, be sure to subscribe so that they just automatically pop up on your phone every Wednesday. If you are enjoying the show, Please leave a rate and review wherever you listen so that more people find our show. And share the show. Let people know that you're listening. I would be so appreciative. Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a wonderful week.